0: Friday morning at 8 a.m., this horse was not in the race. Eric Reed, the trainer, Sonny Leon, the jockey, have never been a part of the derby, and they have won an unbelievably upset, shocking Kentucky Derby with Rich Stro.
1: One of the most ridiculous upsets and thrilling derbies I've ever seen and just a wow moment in sports good morning welcome to rp3 and company i'm your host raymond parts the third better known as rp3 joining me here in the game studios of course is the producer extraordinaire hannah five names we got a great show lined up for you today plenty to get to we have three guests lined up jeff palermo from Tiger Rag Radio to talk all things LSU. They won their series over the weekend. Baseball did, and softball prepares for the SEC tournament. Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. Raging Cajun softball team swept ULM, clinches the one seed. They're preparing for, wait for it, the conference tournament as well. Baseball gets a sweep. Jay will join us to talk all about it. And James Landrano the longtime softball coach of the McNeese Cowgirls. They finished out the regular season with victories. They earned the one seed for their conference tournament. He'll be joining us this morning as well. We'll take your phone calls. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. We're going to talk NBA playoffs. What a difference a few days makes. Looks like two series were... Going to be gentlemen sweeps. Now they're tied up. Another one due to an injured player. Looks like he could be swinging the other way. We'll talk Astros winning seven in a row. And we'll cover everything that we possibly can for you in the next three hours. But we're going to start off with the Derby. Watched it at home. 80-1 to long shot was Rich Strike. Could not have been from the worst position. That's the worst position on the track. Way out of the 20 horses, it has to be on the very far right. If you're from the horse's perspective. Obviously, if you're watching on TV, would be the far left. The far post, which means you have to deal with all the Traffic. The jockey had never ridden the derby. The trainer never had a a horse in the derby. And hell, they were the first alternate. They didn't even make the derby field. Another horse got scratched. Come on up. You get to take place. You know, you get to ride in the derby. And not to mention the backstory with the owner and the trainer. Losing horses because of a massive fire a couple years ago in Kentucky, where they lost their structure, their farms, they lost horses that died, the whole nine yards. They thought about just giving up and being done with it. First derby, get in as an alternate, and Rich Strike, your 80 to one long shot, wins the Kentucky Derby. And the horse was nowhere to be found if you were watching the live telecast. Until right towards the end. You're like, hey, where's this horse coming up on the rail? (laughs) You know, you had Epicenter that had been riding in the middle of the pack. He had finally come up to the front. A couple of the other favorites had been there. You had the Japanese horse that was in second for a little while in this race. Yet another long shot that was leading the race for a little while after the first and second turns. But then you start coming down the, the stretch, so to speak. And you're like, oh, Epicenter's going to do this. Your odds-on favorite's going to do this. And all of a sudden, here comes this horse on the rail. And you're like, where's that horse coming from? And I turn to my wife and says, that horse is going to catch Epicenter. She's like, no. I said, that horse is going to catch Epicenter. And sure enough, that horse just came right up. And what was crazy, when you saw Rich Strike, I don't know if you were watching the Derby as I did, the horse actually had turned its head to epicenter and kind of given it a look, coming down like, bro, you ain't beating me. Like, it was just the weirdest thing. The horse actually, first of all, they typically never do that, and you never want your horse to turn its head because he gets distracted. But this horse is actually galloping and it's getting right next to Epicenter. And right when it passes Epicenter, it just kind of looks at it like, Bruh, you ain't me. Watch this. That horse was so pumped up afterwards, it took him forever to calm down the horse. I mean, I don't know if you were watching the coverage. But then afterwards, when they started giving you the aerial view, that even made it even more impressive what he did. was in the middle, made his way from the far post into the middle, and then horses started getting bunched up. And he made this move the jockey did with the horse, which I can't even believe he still did, Where he and he merely missed the other horse and put himself in position, and then all of a sudden he got out, got closer to the rail, and avoided the traffic jam, and then just the horse just mowed, mowed them all down. 80 to 1 long shot. Unbelievable. This is a horse they bought for like $37,000 last year. 80
0: to 1.
1: Ethereal Road scratched out Friday morning. That's why Rich Strike had an option, had the ability to even get into the Derby field. Epicenter finished the second. Zondon finished third. Rich Strike was in the 17th position into the final turn. The 17th position. 20 horses. Rich Strike was in 17th position in the final turn. And then went, done. Unbelievable. And, you're, and, and the focus was, as it always is, you see the the, the telecast is watching it, and their focus on Zandon and Epicenter, and they're battling back and forth who's going to win the Derby. And and it just happened. It just popped up in your screen. If you were watching it live on television, all of a sudden you see the horse on the rail, and you're like, hey, who's that? My daughter goes, daddy, who's that? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea who that horse is. And it even took the announcers a minute to go, oh, wow, there's another horse here. Like, it just – it as it was as if the horse appeared out of nowhere, just teleported into the track. Here I am, boom, and streaked along that rail to claim the victory. The horses raced out to the fastest quarter mile in the race's 148-year history. And that quick start some has say may have contributed to the last second fade of some of the leaders because they did seeming like lose just a just a, just a step. They faded just enough while Rich Strike was just like I could it felt like that horse could have, could have ran another mile that way. Rick Dawson, owner of Rich Strike, found out that his horse would be running in the Derby 30 seconds before the Friday morning entry deadline. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine getting the phone call or being alerted? Hey, by the way, the deadline's coming up, and you're looking, and you're thinking, man, this is not going to happen. We're not going to make it. We're not getting into the Derby. It's a waste to be here. (laughs) It's the day before the Derby. And then you find out, no, man, you're good. You're in. Unbelievable. Rich Strike's victory in the Kentucky Derby was the greatest odds upset since 1913. Since nineteen thirteen. More than a hundred years ago. That's when ninety one to one long shot. rail claimed victory. We all remember that like it was yesterday it being 1913 and all I mean I love after the fact that the escort pony that rich strike was nipping at it like it was so fired up that it was trying to nip at the <laughs> at the escort pony after the race it was like I'm ready to go again let's go I just got started unbelievable Unbelievable race. It's always a great event to see, to watch. It's one I always make sure to do it. And there's a lot to, you know, a lot of talk during the week. We even had guests on, like Mr. Sheck Snyder and others, talking about Bob Baffert, six-time Derby winning trainer who has to serve his two-year suspension. Last year's Derby winner, Medina Sprint, which was Bob's horse, remember if you if you remember properly, tested positive for a banned substance and stripped of the victory. And Baffert is banned from the property for two years. But he did have two horses that he did train, but then gave over to a couple of others. But they didn't win the Derby. And the two favorites, Zandon and Epicenter, were right there at the end, right? You get the two betting favorites. Your top two battling it out, coming down the stretch. And that's what kind of makes this even more unique is that Rich Strike, the alternate, enters the derby field on the worst possible post, coming down the final turn is in the 17th place, makes his way all the way up to win the derby while side eyeing one of the horses. Jockey making his derby debut, trainer making his derby debut. It's not as if he won a watered-down field. You had two of the best horses. Epicenter won the Louisiana Derby. You had two of the best horses, the betting line favorites, lose to the long shot. That's what makes the story even better. You had two really great horses out there. Also, were part of the field that lost to Rich Strike. Unbelievable. had begun, by the way, 99 to 1 odds before finally settling on 80 to 1. So it was even worse when they first got into the field. Unbelievable. Full house in attendance, of course. No COVID restrictions, so that was nice to see. Even on a gloomy day. It was the first time since 2019 that that happened. Remember, the 2020 race was delayed all the way to September. It wasn't the same. And then limited attendance last year. Running for the roses. Rich Strike. Who made money? I want to hear from you if you bet it on Rich Strike over the weekend. (laughs) Because I don't think many people did. Saw a figure if you had bet the uh, Super Trifecta, which is correctly predicting first, second, third, and fourth. That would have been to make a $320,000 payday. Think about that for a minute. You place a dollar bet, 80 to 1 odds, you win $80. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, I'm, I'll be willing to bet you there's some folks that put money on Rich Strike to win. I just. There's always going to be somebody. There's folks out there that probably had money on every horse in the Derby. to long shot. Rich Strike wins the outstanding Kentucky Derby. Woo! What a weekend. That leads us to our poll question of the day. This is a huge upset. The biggest upset in Kentucky Derby history in more than 100 years. So that's putting that in perspective for you. But we asked you, what's the biggest modern-era sports upset? Is it Rich Strike winning the Derby? Is it NC State taking down the Houston Cougars back in the day with Akima Wajwan and company? That was one of the greatest Cinderella runs in NCAA history. Was it Buster Douglas TKO and knocking out Mike Tyson for the heavyweight championship belt over in Japan? I still remember that like it was yesterday. You were like, what? Iron Mike lost to who? Who? Or was it other?" It's other, make sure to leave in your votes by writing them in, leaving them in comments. They're on Facebook and Twitter. Let's get to some early comments. JPK, the OD, says The greatest upset in modern history is ongoing. It's the fact that Cowboys owner Jerry Jones hasn't fired his general manager since 1989, <laughs> despite the Cowpokes being constantly mediocre. And of course, Jerry's his own GM. <laughs> Keep those votes coming on our whole question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. We gotta take a timeout. When we return, Houston Astros make it seven in a row over the weekend with a clean sweep of the Detroit Tigers. We'll talk all about that coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to join in the
0: discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number.
1: Two, four, niner, five, six, seven, eight. I
2: can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there?
1: Were you calling from a walkie-talkie?
0: No need to be embarrassed. Just call us. At 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on on the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th to June the 5th. Text CHSF to 68683 to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. That's CHSF to 68683 to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. May 26th to June the 5th. Who doesn't enjoy going to the Cajun Heartland State Fair? And you have a great time. Why wouldn't you? You know who's having a great time right now? Houston Astros. It all began with that sweep of the Seattle Mariners. That got their juices flowing for the month of May. And they've kept it. Now, this series over the weekend against the Detroit Tigers was interesting. Because Thursday's game, 3-2. Friday's game, 3-2. Wait for it. Saturday's game, you know what? It was 3-2. Can't remember the last time that's ever happened. So three straight, tough, hard-fought, one-run victories for the Stros. They already won the series by winning Saturday's game, but they were looking for the sweep. Looking for their seventh win in a row, and that's what they got last uh, last night or yesterday afternoon, evening, if you will. With a five-nothing shutout win, Aldemis Diaz gets himself a grand slam. Well, that's always good. Scoring four with one swing—that's that's always that's always what we call ideal. If you can do that, if you can make that happen, that's what you want to do. What stood out to me about the Stros of late is, yes, they're getting the timely hit. That's great. Don't get me wrong. That's that's phenomenal, but and the fact that they've won seven in a row is great. Now they've won eleven of their last thirteen. They're now eighteen and eleven. They're really kind of getting into their own, you know, finding their stride, so to speak. But the pitching is what's really stood out to me. Uh, we, we can talk all day long about hitting and the way Altuve's looked since coming back off the IL and he looks like a way different guy right he he looks like somebody that's an absolute bad man and Bregman's playing well you I mean we talk about how much of a murderer's row that lineup is and and rightfully so they're phenomenal make no bones about it but Jake O'Reezy has looked good the last couple of outings, which you can't believe that you're actually saying that. Another solid, really good performance by Jake. And Christian Javier is pitching well. We knew Verlander was going to pitch well. I don't think we knew that he would be pitching as well as he has, especially coming off Tommy John surgery. But Odorici threw five innings and one-hit ball. You're getting Christian Javier to pitch really well. You're getting Jose Arquidi to pitch really well. Justin Verlander to pitch really well. That's the key for me. The lineup is going to be what the lineup is. It's one of the best in baseball. With the exception of Martin Malinado, they don't have a weak bat in the lineup. Everyone else can hit. Everyone else can get on base. Everyone else can get extra base hits. Altuve, Bregman, Yuli Gurriel, Jorn Alvarez, Tucker. The list goes on and on. We always forget about Michael Brantley. And 7-0 homestand in the books, which is phenomenal. But the pitching. The pitching has been what has been standing out to me. Look, the hitting has always been there. But it's the pitching. And I look at this team, and Verlander's going to get all the headlines. <coughs> Excuse me. Verlander 3-1 and one on the season, ERA below 2. But Luis Garcia, two and one, ERA of only three point four five. Framer Valdez had a couple rough stretches there. He's pitched better of late as well. Christian Javier, two and zero on the season. Jacob Arizzi turned things around, three and two. Jose Okury or, or uh, Urquidy, two and one on the year. So they got what six guys. They don't even have Lance McCullers Jr. back yet. Verlander's the ace, and then you build around from there. But Dusty Baker has, if Order Easy keeps pitching the way he does, he has six guys right now. Six guys that he can throw out there as starters. That level of depth of quality pitching is going to pay off in the long run. It's going to pay off during the postseason. And you're hopeful that you're going to get McCullers back as well. At the end of the season for a postseason run. But let's even, don't even think about Lance McCullers being part of the equation for the Houston Astros. You're looking at guys, not a single one of those guys, except for Jose, has an ERA over four. They all strike out really well. Of course, Verlander has 31. He leads the team. He also has the whip of 0.70. Opponents are batting a paltry 171 against them. That's called efficient pitching. But if they can get guys like Odorizzi, like Urquidy, like Luis Garcia, just to give them quality starts like they've been, just giving them a quality six-inning start. Oh, man, this is going to be a team that's going to be really tough to beat. Because when you have that many arms, here's the thing. You can also switch it if you're the Astros. Let's say you get to a a playoff series. You only want to throw four guys as your starters. A couple of these guys then can eat up middle relief innings. One of your starters gets into a pinch. Guess what? You pull a guy that's been a starter for most of the season. He can go out there and get you four or five innings on a rough night for one of your starters in the postseason. That gives you an advantage that the other team doesn't have. Now, once again, everyone has to stay healthy. That's a big what if, I understand. We all understand that. But that's what stood out to me with the Astros now on a seven-game winning streak is the way their pitching has rose to the top. Hitting's always going to be there. But this pitching staff, it's filthy. And it's starting to kind of come into its own, too. And when you're getting guys who are your fifth and sixth options out there throwing one-hit ball for you, six innings, you are in great shape. Astros will take tonight off. Their seven-game homestand comes to a close yesterday. So they'll be on the road. They're going to start a little series against the Minnesota Twins up in Minnesota. That will be tomorrow night. Of course, we'll carry that game on our sister station news talk 98 5 FM we gotta take a timeout when we return here on rp3 and company we'll get to the weekend that was college baseball edition lots to get to the series lsu got the series win not what you would expect concerns about blake money still exist cajuns get to sweep mcneese avoids being swept wins on senior day and yet still finds themselves tied atop the Southland Conference standings because it was a crazy weekend in the conference. We'll get to that next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. In Louisiana, there are thousands of miles of utility lines and gas pipelines buried just beneath the surface, and sometimes multiple lines are in one area. So, look, if you are a contractor that you've hired is digging a hole to put in a new fence, a pool, or for any other reason, you run the risk of hitting an underground line by digging only a few inches. What happens then? Maybe you only knock the power out for your entire neighborhood, but sometimes there's an explosion with injuries and even death. It happens every single year. And, look, there's a very simple way to avoid it. Before you dig, call 811 Call 811 two days before you dig. Tell the operator your address, and someone's going to come out and mark the location of buried lines so you or your contractor can avoid them. It's simple, it's free of charge, and it's the law. Louisiana 811 operates 811 as a public service. And to promote public safety, Louisiana 811 and the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, remind you call 811 and know what's below before you dig. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What's the biggest modern era sports upset? Is it Rich Strike winning the Derby on Saturday as an eighty to one favorite? <laughs> I can't even say eighty to one. No, that's not being the favorite. Eighty to one long shot. Rich strike wins the derby. Biggest upset in Derby history in more than a hundred years. Is that the biggest modern era sports upset? Or is it Buster Douglas knocking out Iron Mike Tyson in Japan for the heavyweight championship belt? Is it NC State with Jimmy V as the coach? The late grade Jimmy V. With the putback there at the end to take down mighty Houston. The Cougars go down. Or is it other? That's our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. But right now, it's time for us to get to all the action that happened on the collegiate diamond. It's time for the weekend that was.
0: Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains, Serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed.
1: Thank you, Ben been
0: Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company.
1: LSU, it was not pretty for the Tigers over the weekend. But they got the job done. Alabama is an improved team, but Alabama had been coming off losing two SEC series in a row. Now it's three. Because LSU gets the job done, takes two of three from Bama on the road in T-Town. But it was not easy. Game one is a run-run affair. Six to five on Friday. Then they turn around and... The big concern that you've had about LSU reared its ugly head again on Saturday. Blake Money gets the hook early, like real early. They don't have a number two pitcher. They don't. Right now, they don't have a number two. They have Hilliard, who's kind of a number one. He's able to handle their Friday night duties. But after that, it is a crap show. Like, you just don't know. You just don't know. They lose 8-3 to three on Saturday to Bama. Not only does Blake Money get the early hook because he was what we call struggling. Struggling. He didn't even last an inning. He didn't even record an out. Blake Money didn't even last an inning, a third of an inning box score 0.0 innings pitched got tagged with the loss he's now two and four on the season he was supposed to be your Friday night starter he can't even get out of the first inning of ball games and Jay uh, Jay Johnson indicated that he was going to maybe have a short lease with a short leash with Blake and that they were going to have to go to the bullpen so we kind of knew that earlier in the week during his press conference And they had to use Grant Taylor and Ty Floyd to eat up four innings apiece. Two earned runs, two hits, two walks. No strikeouts, no outs. Not the stat line you were hoping for from your Saturday starting pitching. And then on top of that, the Tigers committed, wait for it, not one, not two, but three errors in the game. LSU can beat anybody in the country when they're on. But Saturday was a humbling reminder of, eh, they have the bats, but when their defense has three blunders like they did Saturday and your starting pitcher can't even get out of the first inning because he has lost his stuff, you worry about LSU. You have to be. It's that type of performance against a mediocre Alabama team that gives you pause. You're like, oh, what? Once again, this team has all types of potential. And look, they came back and did what they were supposed to do, closed out this game, crushed the face of the Crimson Tide on Sunday, 12-3. There was no doubt about it. Dylan Cruz and company were like, we're teeing off on this pitching. It's like batting practice. We're done. We're getting out of here. We've won the series. See ya. Bye. That's great. But the Saturday game, I know talking to some Tiger fans, they texted me on Saturday. They're like, Ugh. I said, look, they got to figure this out. They got to figure out what to do with Blake. I don't think you can throw him out there as a starting pitching. He has he is, he is, he is lost his mojo. The confidence is absolutely shot you got to figure it out. Do they have another guy to fill in and take over that number two spot? That's the big question. I don't think they do. You could argue Mikael Hilliard, as well as his pitch, is not really a number one. So they're throwing a rotation that's not top-tier, top-flight pitching as it is. They're getting by with it because Hilliard's a battler. He's a grinder. He's not really a Friday Night Star. But he's the best they got. So, LSU is not invincible. They showed that on Saturday, but credit Jay Johnson and his team for bouncing back on Sunday, getting the series win, yet another one, on the road to take two of three. They'll be at home against Southeastern Louisiana for a midweek tilt tomorrow night, 6.30 first pitch. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. And then they'll welcome in Ole Miss, who played well over the weekend despite being at the bottom of the standings for a three-game set at Alex Box Stadium this coming weekend. LSU gets the job done. The McNeese Cowboys, they avoided being swept. And they did not play well. If you had Justin Hill right here sitting next to me he would tell you as much Northwestern State they outslug them in the first game 16 to 12 when you get to football scores and baseball it's never a good thing they lose that game and then they turn around and lose a tough one i mean a real tough one on saturday when they lose 5 to 4 They should have won that game. They probably should have won the Friday game. To be perfectly frank with you. But they suffered the extra inning defeat on Saturday 5-4. They come back on senior day and salvage the series and salvage senior day by winning 10-4. So they avoid being swept, which is a good thing. But for McNeese... They only have three games left of the regular season. Southland Conference wraps up their their schedule a week early. And how ironic is it that they went on senior day, they only have three games left, a three-game set on the road against Houston Baptist, the team that they began Southland Conference play with by losing two of three. Now, they were able to turn things around after that. And kind of find themselves. But now they have an opportunity to finish the regular season strong. And here's the crazy thing. The conference series loss over the weekend for Justin Hill's team. Did not hurt them in the grand scheme of things. Because everybody else that needed to lose lost as well. McNeese is still a top the Southland Conference standings after the weekend. Despite losing two of three to Northwestern State, McNeese is still 12-9 in conference play. They're tied with Southeastern Louisiana atop the standings, entering the final conference series weekend. UNO, Nichols, Northwestern State, Houston Baptist are all tied. One game behind that at 11-10. and So right now, Entering the final weekend of the Southland Conference, you have six teams, six, that can win the regular season championship and get the one seed for the conference tournament. <laughs> Two teams at 12-9, and nine, one of them being McNeese, and then four others tied for 11-10. and 10. Just so happens McNeese plays one of those teams that are 11-10. and 10. So there's going to be a ton at stake over the weekend, this coming weekend. When Mignese goes on the road to take on the fighting Lance Berkmans. Just ridiculous. Zane Silver was phenomenal yesterday during that win where they were able to essentially salvage the series, avoid being swept, which is always optimal. no no one wants to be swept right no one wants to be swept he was really good the big lefty went five and two thirds gave up only one hit to get the save on sunday and this is what justin hill the longtime skipper of the cowboys had to say about his pitcher. zane's effort settled the game down he 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 just there wasn't a ton of stress when he was out there Mm -hmm. And uh, he just allowed us to relax a little bit. And, um, you know, we were able to get some things on. We were able to sit some balls out of the ballpark. Uh, we had a couple of just misses. They started off terrible. Zane came in, was able to calm him down. And this is what the young man had to say uh, on his role in getting the win yesterday.
3: You know, I just had to get out there and execute pitches and let my stuff work for me. And you know, I think I executed pretty
1: good, hitting spots and locations. And, you know, just let them play great D behind me. So, McNeese, in spite of not having the weekend that they wanted, they get the win. They get the win yesterday, and they still have a chance of winning the Southland Conference regular season championship and getting a one seed and hosting a few games of the conference tournament there in Lake Charles. The Southland has been what we like to call bananas. I'm not going to spell it like When Stefani did back in the day. No need for that. But it's been crazy. And don't don't be surprised if there's a tie. When you get two teams right there and then you have four more, only a game back, don't be surprised if there's, you know, an absolute ridiculous tie over the weekend. We saved the Raging Cajuns for last because they did what they were supposed to do. Hard fought series. A lot closer than I thought it was going to be. I think that's safe to say. But they beat UTA 4-3, 4-3 again, back-to-back days. And then they get the series sweep 6-5. LaFleur gets the walk-off on Sunday. That helps the Raging Cajun sweep the Mavs. UTA's the worst team in the Sunbelt Conference. You struggled. To beat the worst team in the Sunbelt Conference. But the flip side to that is what? You beat the team and you got the sweep. You avoided losing points in the RPI. RPI. You avoided having a big setback going into the huge series this coming weekend at Texas State. That could help determine who wins the regular season championship for the Sunbelt Conference. So LSU, two out of three winners. UL gets tested in a big way by UTA, the worst team in the Sun Belt, but they win all three games by one run apiece, including walk-off fashion on Sunday. But they maintain their position in the Sun Belt. And McNeese, even though the Cowboys lost two of three, they win on senior day, they avoid being swept, and because the Southland is an absolute crazy affair this year, they still have a chance to win the regular season championship. Whew. Told you. It was absolutely crazy weekend. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company, though, coming up right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. (music) Poll question of the day. Let's dive right in, shall we? See how we're doing. Once again, Rich Strike, 80 to 1 long shot. Got put into the Derby field at the last minute on Friday due to a scratch to another horse. First time jockey riding in the Derby. First time a trainer had a horse in the Derby. 80 to 1 long shot from the worst spot on the track to start the race on the very far post. And coming around the final turn in 17th place. Yet, maneuvered its way through the field brilliantly. That's some of the best riding you will ever see from a jockey, by the way. And I just love the fact that the horse gave Epicenter the business. Rich Strike looked at Epicenter like, bro, what you doing? You're about to lose. You know that, right? And just went right past him. Like the horse actually turned its head and was looking at the other horse. Love that. Rich Strike wins the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. Biggest upset in more than 100 years, odds-wise, since 1913. We asked you, is Rich Strike winning the Derby the biggest modern-era sports upset? That's our poll question of the day. Is it Rich Strike winning the Derby? Is it NC State beating Houston in the NCAA title game with Jimmy V as the coach? Is it Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson for the heavyweight championship belt in Japan? Or is it other? Your write-in votes are encouraged. Right now, 41% of you say Douglas KOing Tyson. 26% say Rich Strike winning the Derby. 26% say other. 7% say NC State beating Houston. Steve on the Twitter. Steve went with the notes app. Post, screenshot of a notes app post for Salty Steve. I don't have time to get to that right now. We will after the break, though. We'll get to all your comments on our poll question of the day. Coming up in hour number two. Because it's 6.57, which means hour number one is in the books. But hour number two, right around the bend. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
4: Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Everything 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 gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts third better known as RP3.
1: Welcome back to RP3 and Company, 703 on this slightly muggy Monday morning. Busy weekend for the sports world, wasn't it? NBA playoffs in full effect. Series that we thought were going one way ended up going the other. That's why they play the games. And we'll talk about that coming up in about 15 minutes from right now. LSU baseball team doesn't look pretty. Blake Money struggles yet again, gets yanked in the first inning, doesn't even record an out. They have three errors on Saturday to let Bama even the series, but the Tigers win game three, get another series victory under their belt, and did so on the road as they take two or three from the Crimson Tide. The UL Raging Cajuns, Matt Deggs' team, they had their hands full with UTA, absolutely had their hands full with UTA. All three games decided by one run. Had to win it on walk-off fashion on Sunday. Yet the Cajuns did get the sweep. Took down the best team, the worst team in the Sun Belt Conference to give themselves an opportunity to still win a regular season championship as they take on Texas State this coming weekend. Huge series that's going to help determine who gets the regular season championship and who gets the number one overall seed for the Sun Belt Conference Tournament. McNeese, meanwhile, they lose their first two games. They probably should have won both of those games. Lost one in extra innings on Saturday to Northwestern State. But the Cowboys do win on senior day on Sunday fairly easily and find themselves still tied in first place. How? How? Because the Southern Conference is bananas. They're tied with Southeastern Louisiana atop the conference standings. They hold a one-game lead over four teams right behind them at one game. Just one game up on four teams. Northwestern State, UNO, Nichols, and Houston Baptist. So even with a bad weekend, McNeese was able to salvage it and still have an opportunity to to win the regular season championship and get one of those top seeds and host one of those Southland Conference early round tournament games. They'll wrap up their regular season this coming weekend. Southland Conference will wrap up their regular season a week earlier than the SEC and the Sun Belt this year. Also on the Diamond, credit the Raging Cajuns and the McNeese Cowgirls. They both won their series over the weekend. They both clinched the regular season championship and they both clinched the number one seed for the conference tournaments those will begin this week we'll talk more about that in particular the McNeese side of things when softball coach for the Cowgirls James Landron will join us coming up at 8 30 at 8 o'clock Jay Walker we'll talk all things Raging Cajuns with him and then at 7 30 We'll talk all things LSU with Tiger Rag co-host Jeff Plarema. So we're going to touch on all those big series coming up for you here on the program. Astros, seven straight wins. Seven straight wins. They had their hands full. Credit A.J. Hinch and the Detroit Tigers. They came to play. They did not make things easy For the Astros. Remember last year, A.J. Hinch and the Detroit Tigers, who are in a rebuilding mode, came in there and, you know, roughed up the Strohs last year in Minute Made Ballpark. But Houston finds a way to win. The pitching is what stands out to me even more than the hitting. The hitting is timely, the hitting's great. Don't get me wrong, it is. You love that lineup of Altuve and Bregman and Jordan Alvarez and Michael Brantley and Yuli Gurriel and Kyle Tucker. Just goes on and on and on and on. But give credit where credit is due to the pitching, man. Garcia and Urquidy and Jake Urizi. We talk about Verlander a lot, and rightfully so. He's the former Cy Young Award winner, league MVP, future Hall of Famer. Coming off Tommy John surgery, he's looked phenomenal. But... The rest of the guys have really stepped up. and If they continue getting six strong innings from these guys, these other guys, man, Houston's going to be a tough out. Just going to be a tough out. Especially coming down the stretch and in a playoff series. And, of course, there was other upsets over the weekend. We talked about the Kentucky Derby. 80-1 to long shot. Rich Strike wins the Derby. Biggest upset in 100 years at Churchill Downs. This is a horse that wasn't even supposed to be in the field. This was the first alternate. With a jockey riding in the Derby for the first time, a trainer having a horse in the Derby for the first time. From the worst position on the track. Post position is the worst. Because you're all the way on the outside and you have to come all the way into the inside. The horse has to exert all that energy to be riding out there by itself and has to find a way to get into the pack. And yet, Rich Strike found a way to chase down the two betting favorites and win the Kentucky Derby. Our man, Salty Steve. Steve Flint who, by the way, works on a horse farm. So he understands the sport. This is his bread and butter. He put this in perspective. To make a comparison on how big the upset was in the Kentucky Derby this weekend, imagine Usain Bolt, probably the greatest sprinter in Olympic history. Imagine Usain Bolt. In the Olympics, running in the 100 meter sprint and getting run down by Kevin Foote. <laughs> I like that comparison. That puts it in perspective. I imagine Usain Bolt, the greatest sprinter of all time being run down by Kevin Foote in an Olympic 100-meter dash race. That's how significant of a upset this is. Once again, biggest upset odds-wise in Kentucky Derby history since 1913. That leads us to our poll question of the day, and it's a good one. What is the biggest modern-era sports upset? of you say Buster Douglas KOing Mike Tyson in Japan for the World Heavyweight Championship. That was a bit of a stunner. 26% of you say Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. 24% of you say other. 9% say NC State with Jimmy V, the late great Jimmy V, as its head coach, making its improbable Cinderella run during the NCAA tournament, taking down Houston in the title game. Texan in Acadiana says, I'm so glad I was like two and don't remember the NC versus Houston title game. So I'd say the 81 odds upset is pretty massive. <laughs> Steve also says on Twitter, by using the Notes app, which by the way is undefeated. Anytime you want to make a big announcement, you use the Notes app. Kentucky Derby 2022 is why I love racing. All trainers work all or most of their lives around horses. All trainers devote the biggest part of their lives to the game. Anyone who wins the greatest prize in our sport is deserving and shouldn't be dismissed as a fluke. Congrats to Eric Reed. Your patience as well as your perseverance has paid off royally. Many trainers who have accomplished unbelievable victories will never get to feel what you did yesterday. That doesn't mean Eric doesn't deserve it. On the contrary, he deserved it as much or more. He's not handed numerous well-bred young horses. In fact, The accomplishment is far greater to do it with a horse, he claimed. Sometimes dreams come true, and in this case, his reality far exceeded anything he has ever dreamed of. Congrats to you, your crew, your family, and to your clients for the perseverance to overcome the odds. See, that's well done by Steve. Once again, they lost their horses. Their facility they had in Louisville burned down a few years ago. Caught fire, burned down. They lost horses. Horses died business in shambles for them to even get to the derby and have a horse run in the derby that would have been a great cinderella story in itself but then that horse beginning on the far post coming down and running down the winners the 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 betting line favorites unbelievable just unbelievable Brad on Twitter says it's still Tyson losing to Douglas. Buster had a mediocre career up to that point and was supposed to be a feeder fish for Iron Mike. Ton on Twitter says, normally I have something pithy to say, but it's Monday morning. I haven't had coffee yet, and 28-3 is running through my head. (laughs) The Falcons thing never ends. Not just saying this is a homer, but modern error for me has to be the Rams-Saints conference game. I've never felt such a heavy feeling of anger, disbelief in a sporting event ever. But Hart is that that an upset? Like that was the two best teams in the NFC battling out. I don't know. I get that you're still angry about the the pass interference call not being called, Bud. But that's is that he's taking upset like literally, like not like sports upset. It's just what makes Hart upset. So okay. Hart, it's gonna be okay, Bud. We're sending you a hug right now to you. I hope you're listening. Here's, here's, here's a hug. If you're watching on the simulcast, why wouldn't you be, by the way, on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on OES Fiber, I'm giving you a hug right here, bud. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Caleb on the Twitter says, 9-7 Giants over the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. That's a good one, too. That 9-7 and seven Giants team lost to the Patriots in the regular season finale and then went on a playoff run as the wild card team and then beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. That is a good one. Keep your votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter as well. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. We'd love to hear from you. That's a good one. Giants Patriots Super Bowl is a really good one. It's a great modern upset. So keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming. Hotline is open. Want to get those phone calls in, let's do it. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You listen to RP3 and company. Right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Uh, The Game 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. Look, you could score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. That's right. They're the headliners for the show. Get a little meet and greet action. Who doesn't like that? Maybe get some autographs, get some photos taken, selfies. Hello. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom right now to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising, featuring Cold War kids on Saturday, June the 4th. It's the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. It's presented by Social Entertainment, Radar Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What's the biggest modern era sports upset? Is it Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby? Biggest Derby upset since 1913. Is it NC State taking down Houston in the NCAA title game to complete one of the most magical Cinderella runs of all time? Is it Buster Douglas, KO, and Mike Tyson? Or is it other? We've had some good recommendations, like the Giants taking down the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter for us. But right now, let's head out to the game hotline. Welcome on. Jamie aka Mr. Green good morning sir how are you my friend good
2: morning Mr. Third I'm doing good man I got to go to my first ever Cajuns baseball game in Lafayette over the weekend and uh shout out to the Thibodeaux and Richard they were a lot of fun to hang out with so uh that was a good time and of course my demons beat McNeese so sorry Lake Charles listeners but it was it was fun so uh anyway yeah, I wanted to go in on the poll question today and uh, keep with that NSU team and go to the NSU Demons of Destiny back in 06, knocking out the uh, third seed Iowa uh, team that was projected to be one of the final four, I think, that year uh, from many people. So um, I, that's, that's what I'm going to have to go with.
1: True story, Jamie. I was in a Town Talk office pool that year. And, yeah, we covered Northwestern State, obviously. But I actually picked in our office pool that NSU would pull off that upset. Now, I didn't pick many other correct games that first (laughs) round that year. But I did pick the Demons of Destiny. Uh, Let me ask you this, bud. You went to a Cajuns game. That's great. Why didn't you make the short drive over to Lake Charles to support your alma mater, the Demons that you love so much? I mean, they were right there in Lake Chuck, bud. 3 games set. Why didn't you go support your alma mater?
2: Uh, Lafayette is about 45 minutes closer to my house than Lake Charles is. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with a one-year-old and a four-year-old,
1: uh, yeah, that, that makes uh, it pretty difficult. Let me bring on the producer extraordinaire to chime in on this because this is someone that you feud with over things of this nature. Hannah Five Names now joins us. Hannah, Jamie says... He, in fact, did not go support his alma mater that he likes to bring up all the time on the airwaves, even though they were playing close to home. Do you accept his reasoning, or do you believe it's just an excuse? Go.
5: Um, after what happened with uh, that, those tech people winning their conference, uh, you should have gone and supported your alma mater. There's no reason that 45-minute drive could not have been done to get to see NSU beat the McNeese.
1: Would you care to respond, Jamie? Uh,
2: no, I guess, um, I guess I'm being put in my place pretty good by a woman who microwaves her, her rice.
1: No way. Oh, there it is. There it is. Jamie, you know, we got nothing <laughs> but love for you, but appreciate the phone call, brother. Enjoy your day. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good week. The man does have the four and the one-year-old. Well, let me. From, from experience, that's a bit to handle. That That's... Even when you have time, you're like, you know what? It'd be great. Let's take the kids. No, because you don't want to be those people that have your one-year-old at the ball game. They start crying. You know, you have to taking it, trying to find a clean spot in a public restroom to change the kid. No, no, you don't want any of that. So I get it. I get it. He does love his demons, though. That is a great upset, though. NCAA tournament upset. We've had a slew of those. You could go in a lot of different directions there. But that was, that was a great upset as the Demons of Destiny, as they were have been long referred to as, took down the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa stumbling in the NCAA tournament? Oh, that's a tradition like none other. <laughs> that's what they always do. Every time I see them in my bracket, I go, no. No, you don't belong here. You will disappoint us always picking against you. That's what I do now against Hawkeyes. I see them in my bracket. I go, I'm picking against you. I don't care that you're the two seed. I'm picking against you because you always do this. You're not going to burn me this time. We just went off in another direction there, didn't we? It's okay. So, Jamie decides not to support the alma mater. I will allow it. He had a good reason one and four-year-old, closer to home. See, that's the thing. You, when you have the little ones, then you make decisions based on how close you are to your house if you need to abort your trip, your excursion for the day. Okay. If we go here, how close are we are to the house in case things go sideways? Okay. Then we don't leave this. <laughs> we don't go anywhere outside of this radius. Because if we do, we could be in problem. It could be it could be problems. Could be problems. Could be big problems. Good weekend, though. Jamie didn't mention anything about Mother's Day. I would assume Jamie took care of his wife. And took care of the mom. Sounds like a stand-up guy. I figure he would. It was... It was, of course, Mother's Day, Mother's Day weekend. Hopefully all you fellas didn't wait till the last minute for the gifts. Because I went to the store for some food items, and I saw faces filled with fear and desperation. I saw men sweating in air-conditioned buildings for no reason. Well, there was a reason. They forgot to get their gifts. And if you're trying to get flowers... Heads up, <laughs> if you're trying to get flowers or some type of Mother's Day gift on Mother's Day, you have already lost. You've already failed. I saw this guy in the store yesterday. I went to go pick up some bread <laughs> for the week. I just went to the store. And I, said, I told my wife, I said, look, I'll, I'll run to store. store. Just, just relax. It's your day. So I went to the store to pick up a few things, milk, you know, bread for the week. And I just saw this guy. He just he was standing over by the flowers and there was no flowers left. And you just saw him just standing there going, uh, he's just looking, just had the look of a man that said, I make poor decisions. <laughs> like if he just sat there long enough, someone would bring him flowers. I wish I had flowers to give him because that's how bad I felt for him. And then they had some mums over in the corner that were on discount. And there was only like three of them left, and he was considering whether or not to buy those, and they were dying already. That, that, that was his best option, was to buy dying flowers on Mother's Day. Probably shouldn't wait until 2 o'clock on Mother's Day to take care of Mom. Just say it. Don't do that. Go and get the gifts done early. Have them wrapped. You have your kid with you. She can help. You know, the whole nine yards. It'd be a glorious time. You can do the boss move that I did. Because at our church, you can order flowers to be displayed inside the sanctuary on Sundays. So if someone has a birthday or anniversary or something like that, well, earlier in the year, I used the old noggin, which rarely happens. I made sure to order flowers on Mother's Day. Big arrangement, bouquet arrangement inside the church. Didn't tell my wife. And we celebrated Mother's Day a little early on Saturday as well so you could just have our time, right, for her. And then we had my mom over. We visited all the moms on Sunday, and then I cooked dinner for my mom and my wife on Sunday. But we had our own little thing on Saturday. So (laughs) we get all that done, right? And I'm feeling pretty good about myself. So we go to church on Sunday. I didn't get my wife flowers. She's not the biggest flower person. She likes getting flowers on special, you know, like on a random Tuesday is when she appreciates the flowers. By the way, that's a boss move, fellas. Yeah, you get your lady flowers on Valentine's Day and Mother's Day and stuff. That's great. Birthday, that's fine. What about a random Tuesday? Just saying, goes a long way. Helpful hint from your boy, RP3. But they only had like a couple of displays in the church they make the announcement and they're like oh these flowers are for so-and-so and and these flowers are for all the moms in attendance and these flowers are for tina parch my wife looks at me she goes you sly dog i says you're welcome one mother's day weekend i often do not this year got it done got it done right we gotta take a timeout. when we return here on rp3 and company the clock has turned 7.31, which means it's time to talk to Jeff Palermo, our buddy from Louisiana Radio Network, sports and news director. You also know him as the co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. He's going to join us. LSU, hard-fought victory over the weekend, taking two or three at Alabama. They're gearing up for Southeastern and a three-game set against Ole Miss this week. We'll talk about that and so much more coming up next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3. On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. You can see one of the more anticipated movies this year before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun To six, eight, six, eight, three to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek made the 26th at the celebrity theaters in Broussard. It's the top gun sneak peek preview, and you can win those tickets by texting top gun to six, eight, six, eight, three. That's top gun to six, eight, six, eight, three top gun sneak peek preview brought to you by big boy toys and the game Southwest Louisiana sports station. Chicken on the poll question of the day. Rich Strike won the Kentucky Derby over the weekend as an 80 to 1 long shot. Is it the biggest modern era sports upset? It's the biggest Derby upset since 1913. Ah, who remembers 1913, huh? Seems like yesterday. <clears throat> we asked you, is it the biggest modern era and sports upset? 41% of you say Douglas. Knocking out Mike Tyson for the heavyweight championship belt in Japan is the biggest modern-era upset. 24% of you say other. 26% of you do say Rich Strike winning the Derby. 9% say NC State taking down the Houston Cougars in the NCAA title game back in the day. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep those comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk all things LSU with the man who is the co-host of Tiger Ag Radio, our good friend, Jeff Palermo. Jeff, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well. How about you, Raymond? I'm doing sensational. Thank you for asking, brother. We can go and just wrap it up. You're doing great. I'm doing great. Boom, we're done. (laughs) We're out of here. Uh, We we have peaked at 738 (laughs) on a Monday. Uh, all All right, let's start off with the good from the weekend for LSU baseball. They bounce back after Saturday's train wreck, which we will get to, and clobber the faces of the Crimson Tide to take the series two games to one. uh, You know, they win two out of three. They win yet another weekend series. They do so on the road. That's the good thing. How important was it for them to salvage the series on the road?
5: Oh, it was another big uh, weekend for LSU. I I mean, considering they... Basically, had no starting pitching at all on on Saturday and Sunday, and, and Mikhail Hillier didn't have his best game on Friday. They still figured out a way to to win this series, and a lot of credit goes to the bullpen. I mean, Jacob Hasty was phenomenal yesterday, four shutout innings, and Dylan Cruz continues to just mash the baseball. And they needed some guys to step up especially when they didn't have Jacob Barry on Saturday and Sunday. And Tyler McManus hits two home runs for you yesterday. So, I mean, you know, Jake Johnson said it after the game. He told the advocate that was one of his favorite wins of the year, or if not his favorite win of the year. And you could see why, because he needed a lot of different guys to step up. Uh, you got some runs early on in the game. You didn't get the start from Samuel Dutton that you were expecting. But, again, that bullpen comes in, basically shuts the door the rest of the day, and uh, LSU gets a series victory. And, really, uh, I mean, they got a really good chance here with six more games left in conference play to potentially finish with the third-best record in the SEC as far as conference record goes. I mean, that's just considering where this team was and, and how the, especially the conference portion of the schedule started. For them to be in that position right now, uh, it's pretty impressive.
1: Let's talk about Blake Money because Saturday was atrocious. It just – they don't – he didn't make it out of the first. He didn't even record an out. And I knew – we know that Jay Johnson was going to have an early hook on him. How concerning is it about the rest of the starting pitching not named Hilliard?
5: Well, that – that's the thing that could prevent them from getting to Omaha is that not having, you know, two solid starting pitchers. I mean, imagine if Michaela Hilliard has a rough outing. Um, now I, I would imagine, you know, for instance, either whether it's in this Ole Miss series or in the final series against Vanderbilt, I mean, if Michaela Hilliard doesn't have it for a game, I think Jay Johnson almost has to keep him out there. And even if he gives up six, seven, eight runs, he's at least got to go five innings because he, you got to you got to eat the innings somewhere. Um, it, it's it's really concerning because they don't. Again, I, I think that's what they, they've done such a great job with the bullpen is about as good as it gets. This might go down, and I've been covering LSU baseball for a little over twenty years. It might go down as the best bullpen LSU's ever had at least in the time that I've covered. I mean, just the, the fact that they got, you know, three or four just quality arms that they can really, really count on. And, and, and Paul Gervais and Eric Reiselman and um, Riley Cooper has been good. And then he, you even get down to kind of the second tier of guys there, the, the Trent Wittmeyers, the Devin Fontnos. I mean, all those guys have just been absolutely terrific this season, uh, but they just can't um, – they can't find that number two starter, and yet and yesterday was so important uh, that Jay Johnson was not going to let Sam Dutton try to figure it out. They they he had to go to the bullpen right away, brings in Hasty, he gets out of that first inning, and then gives him you know really just again four shutout innings. But what's also kind of disappointing about Saturday, and I don't know how many of the your listeners heard the game or heard Jay Johnson's. Pre-game interview with Chris Blair going into game two and coach Johnson talked about how they they figured something out with Blake money. And he looked really good that week as far as uh, his bullpen sessions go. And then he just, he, he lays an absolute egg. So I I don't know where they go from here, whether Bryce Collins is an option or do you just move Jacob hasty as a starter? That's the other catch 22 out of this thing, because Hasty has been so good coming out of the bullpen uh, as a left-handed pitcher, getting out of jams, and then giving you some quality innings after that. You you hate to disrupt that. You hate to take from a strength, which is your bullpen, to try to help a weakness. But you may not have any choice at this point. Uh, I'm sure it's a a big discussion going on right now in the LSU coach's office.
1: So what are their options? I mean, what what are their options because they had to yank starters – back-to-back days in a conference series. Look, you can probably get away with that the rest of the way. Ole Miss, even though they had a good weekend, they're, they're still struggling. Vandy is not a uh, vintage Commodores team this year, but it's going to be still tough. You can maybe get away with that, but if you're getting into an NCW regional or if you want to make it to Omaha, as you mentioned, Jeff, you're going to have to find at least another re- reliable starter.
5: Right, yeah. It, it's just hard to keep putting it together here two basically bullpen games in a row. That's, that's exactly what you're doing at this point. So again, I I think Bryce Collins could be an option. Um, You know, he's pitched well on, he's another guy that's pitched well out of the bullpen, but he hasn't thrown a a ton of innings. Do you go back to Ty Floyd? Have you seen enough from him to think, you know, he pitched pretty well on Saturday, just eating up some innings for you. So the, is that maybe an option, or you just you just keep throwing it out there and and hope it works with Blake Money? I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard after this past Saturday where he doesn't even record it out, and and I'm talking about money to go right back to him again this Saturday. So um, we'll see. Um, yeah, you know, I, 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 like, uh, I I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like you know, Bryce Collins get an opportunity. Um, I mean, this was a, you know, he was someone that was drafted out of high school. He didn't pitch during his two years at at Arizona because of an injury. But uh, from what we've just kind of seen from him, he's, he's looked good. He's looked good. So maybe that might be an option, but um, I don't know. It's either that Ty Floyd or uh, there, there, there might be somebody else out there that, uh lsu's taking a look at and they may decide to go with uh, money or, or or somebody else but uh, tough decisions right now for jay johnson and pitching coach jason kelly
1: all right let's look ahead to this week southeastern's the midweek game on tuesday night tomorrow night and then a three game set against ole miss who has been playing a little bit better what do the tigers need to do to continue maintaining that position building up that momentum Jeff and uh, getting uh, remaining on uh, the line to be a regional host.
5: Well, I think uh, one of the big things this week we'll be watching is Jacob Barry. I mean, how much does he play this week? Uh, he's got an injured finger. It's been reported he's actually got a broken finger, makes it difficult for him to swing from the left side of the plate. So that, you know, obviously you're facing more right handers than you face left handers, so is it a pain tolerance thing? Can he get back out there this week? I to me, I think that's kind of the big thing to watch this week is whether you can get him back. And there's some other guys that are that are really banged up on this team right now. I mean, I, th- I think the injury issues. Um, you know, Hayden Travinsky wasn't available yesterday, even though McManus hit two home runs yesterday. Uh, He's dealing with some uh, bumps and bruises at the moment. Uh, You you Finally, you got Gavin Dugas back this weekend, so that was good. So your depth is certainly getting tested here a little bit. So to me, uh, let's see if LSU can continue to keep swinging a hot bat, get Barry back out there, and just try to stay as healthy as possible here as you continue to move through the month of May.
1: Talking with Jeff Palermo. He's the sports and news director for Louisiana Radio Network. He's also co-host of Tiger Rag Radio. He joins us here in RP3 and Company, talking all things LSU this morning. Let's talk about the softball program. Ranked in the top 20, they wrap up the regular season with a road series victory at Mississippi State, and then they turn around and they get to play the Lady Bulldogs in the first round of the SEC tournament Wednesday at 11 a.m., uh what do you think? What do you make of Beth Torino's team right now as they head into tournament play?
5: Really tough loss yesterday in Starkville. I mean they had an opportunity to finish in the top four in the SEC. Yeah. That gets you to double by. they were up five to nothing, and they let that game slip away yesterday, six to five. That was that was rough. Uh Kilponen, who's pitched very well for him here lately, uh, ended up uh suffering the loss in that game. So Now they got to go and play Mississippi state again on Wednesday morning. And then they'll play Tennessee. If they're able to get past them, just a single elimination tournament and LSU traditionally uh, has not really played very well in this tournament for whatever it, it, for whatever reason that may be. So that was a tough one. And then of course you're going to get here to the uh, selection. We'll find out next, uh, I guess uh, Sunday or maybe Monday is uh, the, when they announced the uh, the uh, tournament bracket, I think Sunday. And, um, you know, probably LSU's probably not hosting, which means the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee is going to have to get a little creative because they always love just sending LSU, UL Lafayette, uh, McNeese, or maybe even Southeastern this year, whoever comes out of the Southland Conference Tournament, uh, you know, just send them all to Baton Rouge. Well, now there there might not be a spot (laughs) in Louisiana and Louisiana tech won their conference USA or they won their regular season championship. And they're now the number one seed in the conference USA tournament. So they, they got a chance to be in the NCAA tournament. So um, the NCAA tournament selection committee will have to be creative and they'll probably have to send LSU and the Cajuns to other locations uh, most likely uh, for these regional parents, but who knows? Uh, I mean, um, maybe LSU can make a little bit of a run here in this softball tournament in, in the SEC, and uh, maybe they still can host. But I, I think they're really on the bubble, and it would have been nice to get that sweep. A top-four finish in the SEC would have looked really good in the resume when it comes to uh, being a host site for the NCAA tournament.
1: Jeff, appreciate your time, as always. Brother, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Tiger Rag Radio this week, my friend. Have a good one, bud.
5: All right. Sounds good, Raymond. Thanks.
1: Whew. Yeah, that, that that's a tough one to let get away from them. Just says it is definitely a tough one. You know what else is tough? Knowing that at the age of 43 years old, that your seven-year-old daughter has got more skills than you. Dancing skills? Check. Entertaining skills? Check. Creativity, check. Kids already surpassed me. I'm 43, she's 7. Already surpassed me. Just saying. Just saying. It's a tough pill to swallow sometimes. Tough pill to swallow. I look at her, I'm like, Pfft. she's so much smarter than at that age than I was, three years older than her. <laughs> she may be smarter than me right now. That, that's probably not that much of a debate, is it? There you go. Hannah Five Names is shaking her head. In agreement. Going to take a timeout. More RP3 and Company, though, coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Uh, The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. That's right, $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Delicious Gulf seafood. You'll have a great time. You can take your lady out, show her how much you appreciate her. doesn't have to be just on Mother's Day, fellas could be a random Tuesday. Trust me on this. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to half-shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. It is free to do so. Let's check in on our poll question of the day, shall we? Once again, Rich Strike, 80-1 to 1 long shot. First alternate into the field for the Kentucky Derby. The jockey never rode in the Derby before. Trainer never had a horse in the Derby before. And it started from the worst possible position on the track. The far the the, the far post. Yet Rich Strike wins the Kentucky Derby. It's the biggest upset in Derby history since 1913. What is the biggest modern era sports upset? That's what we want to know from you. We already heard Steve Flint, who works with tra- uh, works with horses. That's his life. That's his life's passion, his work. Says, to put it in perspective, what Rich Strike did is imagine Usain Bolt, the greatest Olympic sprinter of all time, lining up in a 100-meter dash and losing to Kevin Foote. That's what this is, and I just love the fact that the horse was giving the other horse the business, particular epicenter, running up on him and looking towards him like, "What's up? You know, you're about to lose, right? I got this." What's the biggest modern era a uh, sports upset? of you right now say Rich Strike winning the Derby on Saturday. 35% of you say Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. 18% of you say other. 7% say NC State with the late great Jimmy V as their coach putting together one of the most improbable Cinderella runs in NCAA tournament history by beating Houston. Heavily favored Houston in the national championship game. Cajun fan has chimed in. Appalachian State beating Michigan in 2007. Oh, that was a light. Well, that was a huge moment. Got some good answers here. Keep those comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. It's 7.58, which means it's time to wrap up hour number two. Hour number three coming up with Jay Walker. That's next right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to RP3 and Company 803 on this Monday morning edition of the show. It's been a good one so far. We've covered a lot. Houston Astros winning seven in a row as they sweep the Detroit Tigers. Tigers gave them everything they could handle now. One-run games. What, the first three games were three to two each game? But the pitching for the Stros, we focus so much on the lineup. And rightfully so. Murderer's row, if you will. But let's credit the pitching. Because if they can get these type of performances from Jake Odorizzi and others, in addition to Justin Verlander, I mean, right now you could argue they have five, six quality starters. Especially the way Jake's been pitching the last couple outings. Seven game winning streak. Astros seemingly have turned a corner as they do every year after a sluggish start in the month of April. Also, of course, the big story of the weekend was the Kentucky Derby, 140th, 148th annual running for the Roses there at Churchill Downs. 80-1 to long shot. Rich strike. A horse that was the first alternate. A jockey that had never rode in the Derby, a trainer that never had a horse in the Derby. <clears throat> hell, the owners and the trainers had their facility burned down a few years ago and lost horses. They bought this horse. This this was a stakes horse they bought last year and only got into the Derby field this year because of a late scratch with literally like 30 seconds before the deadline they got the phone call that they were going to be in the Derby. It started from the worst position, post position in the 20 horse field and yet somehow found its way to chase down the betting favorites. And then the horse gave the other horse the business, which I just love. The horse just turned its head at epicenter and was like, you're about to lose. Phenomenal derby finish. And the biggest derby upset since 1913, odds-wise. And that leads us to our poll question of the day. What's the biggest modern era sports upset? Right now leading the poll is Rich Strike winning The Derby, 40% of you say that. 35% of you say Buster Douglas KOing Mike Tyson back in the day in Japan. 18% of you say other. 7% say NC State beating Houston in the NCAA championship game, that great Cinderella run the Wolfpack went on. And we've had some great comments. Giants beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Appalachian State beating Michigan in 2007 at the Big House. So keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk all things Raging Cajuns. Great weekend for both the softball and the baseball team. Softball team locked up another, yet another, regular season championship in the Sunbelt Conference as they swept ULM and earned the one seed for the conference tournament, which begins later this week. Baseball team, UTA, look, UTA had a chip on their shoulder. They came to play. Cajuns didn't play their best, but you know what? They got the series sweep, and they keep moving right along as well. To break it all down for us is our buddy, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, the one and only Jay Walker, joins us now. Jay, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend?
4: I'm I'm doing well, and, and I'm going to add an upset that you didn't mention just now, and that is Villanova beating Georgetown for the NCAA Basketball Championship. That was, I think, in 1985.
1: That was great. That was a great one, too. Great era right there in the 80s and for the NCAA Final Four and the men's tournament in particular. Had a lot of great upsets yeah. there in that decade. That's a good one, Jake. Jay, 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 Jay's helping us close out our number three in style. This man comes prepared. Doesn't have to comment on the poll question of the day. Yet yeah, does so. Bring something to the table. All right, bud. Let's talk about the baseball team. UTA, we talked about it last week. Worst team in the Sunbelt Conference. But they had nothing to lose, right? And they played hard and they played the Cajuns tough. What was your biggest takeaway from a hard-fought series sweep over the weekend?
4: You know, UTA is kind of who I thought they were. They're a team that struggles sometimes to, to score runs, and they have very little pitching depth, but the guys they have are pretty good, and Tanner King on Friday, that was the guy who really concerned me. I think he's one of the top five pitchers in the league, honestly, and he threw a great game, and the Cajuns, you know, managed to uh, go ahead and uh, and win it uh, at the end, but I, I knew that one was going to be tough. And, you know, the, the different you know, people drive me crazy sometimes because you go into the weekend and how many people came up to me and said, well, we ought to sweep, huh? And my response is, you know what's different when you talk about a disparity in talent in baseball as compared to other sports? There's a guy who stands 10 inches taller than everybody else who can be the great equalizer. And so I had a feeling this was going to be a close series. Uh, And sure enough, it was because their five guys pitched well, but the Cajuns found a way to win. And really the reason they found a way to win is because overall the Cajuns pitched well.
1: They did pitch well. And the the pitching continues to make strides throughout this season. Jay, was it just a simple fact of these kids – I call them kids, but these young men getting enough actual in-game experience that they kind of found themselves. In particular, the pitching staff.
4: Well, I, you know, I still think that this pitching staff's a little bit of a work in progress because when you when you take a look at what the bullpen did on Sunday, now the Cajuns uncharacteristically, because they've been playing great defense for over a month, they they had some miscues in the field over the weekend. But there were also, you know, a couple of times where uh, there was a there was a walk, and the Cajuns didn't walk many, but they did walk one who came in to score, which wound up tying the game uh, in the ninth inning on Sunday. And they they also had a couple of instances where they they went to three ball counts, and as a result, had to throw a fastball that got hit. But now I'm being nitpicky. I think overall the pitching did a very good job. Over the weekend, and I was particularly impressed with uh, David Christie's performance in the 11th inning yesterday. I thought he was really good.
1: They got the timely hits that they needed. I mean, we could focus in on the walk-off win yesterday, Jay, but they were able to get uh, the timely hits that they needed as well, and that seems to be a level of maturity with this this lineup in particular where they're being a lot more disciplined at the plate, and it's paying off in a big way, especially in these tight games.
4: Yeah, it was interesting yesterday. You know, um, Coach Deggs went with what I call his more traditional lineup with Marshock in the in the leadoff spot and, and uh, Tyler Robertson hitting second uh, with DeBarge third and Rockefort fourth, and the top three I think went 0 for 14. But he bunched up some guys later in the lineup with Heath Hood and LaFleur and Brock. And those guys combined for nine hits. So, you know, they were able to bunch hits together uh, and, uh, and as a result, you know, get enough runs uh, to win. You know, Lafleur was really good. He's a guy who swings the bat really well against teams that have good velocity. Breaking ball gives him a little trouble. And credit to Matt Deggs, you know, um, their third guy gets it up there about 93, 94. And he said, you know, I'm going to put LaFleur in there and LaFleur winds up hitting a two run homer and get the game winning hit.
1: Now they have, they're going to turn the page and they have the big series against Texas state this coming weekend, but they have a couple of midweek matchups against rice, you know, uh, late season rice is t- traditionally a very good program they've been they've had some down years of of late uh, what do we make of these midweek contests against uh, the owls
4: well they're on the road okay and and when you're on the road there's no guarantees now cajuns have played well on the road this year but um and i think they have better personnel than rice but it's a five game week you know, Matt Deggs and, and Seth Thibodeau going to uh, have to be very careful as they uh, go ahead and, uh, and, and figure out who's going to do what as far as pitching is concerned. And the other thing I expect to see is, you know, Julian Brock needs a day off. Uh, he's been catching every inning for a while now. And um, with two midweek games, I would expect that he's going to sit out at least one of them. Because, look, it was hot. Uh, over at Russo Park over the weekend on that turf. It was over 100 degrees on Saturday and Sunday. And you're going to face Texas State this weekend with real temperatures in the upper 90s. So Julian probably needs a day off, maybe two, who knows. Uh, I expect that to happen. Um, But, you know, you still got to go out and play. Uh, I think Rice is, you know, they're not going to lay down just like UTA didn't lay down. And we'll... We'll see how it all pans out, but it's a big week. you got the two against Rice, and then you've got a showdown over in San Marcos where Texas State has been really, really good this year. They've been excellent at home. So it's going to be an interesting week.
1: It's going to be an interesting week. How do you think that's going to, with the five games, do you think that's going to uh, force Deggs to adjust his rotation or the playing time, as you you indicated, some guys maybe need a breather? you think... That's going to change that at all or no?
4: Nah, yeah, you know, the only guy I think it it really might affect is Brock. Um, other than that, I expect him to do what they normally do in the midweek, and and we know which three guys are going out on the weekend, and you know, one of the things that we we're seeing a pattern now where Bo Bonds comes in behind Tally, uh, and so I would expect that Bonds is going to throw, it's going to be on Tuesday. Um, And then after that, you can throw guys Tuesday and Wednesday and bring them back Saturday and Sunday. So I I don't know how much different it's going to be, but we are going to see some arms that we haven't seen in a while, and that's a good thing.
1: We're talking with Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns. He joins us here in RP3 and company. All right, bud, let's switch gears. I know you were on the call for baseball, and you didn't get to see softball all that much, but they wrap up their regular season with a sweep at ULM, earn the number one seed for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, championship tournament, rather over in Mobile. 40 plus wins, 18th all time regular season title, third straight. Boy, it sure does seem like after some growing pains throughout the season, Jerry Glasgow's team kind of came together at the right time.
4: I think this is one of the most impressive championships the Cajuns have ever won. And, and I'll say that very succinctly. Um, you know, when you've got six, seven freshmen in the lineup most days, and one of your top pitchers is a freshman. Um, they, they had it. I think you put it well with growing pains. But to see how much this team has improved from the beginning of the season to now, I think is, is just really a story that needs to be told. You know, softball fans, and I think that the average person, ho-hum another championship. But, man, this one's big. And I love to see this team mature the way they did. And you're right. I don't get to see them play very often, but I do a lot of reading and I do a lot of following and and to watch this team gel and come together the way they have to one go and outdistance the competition and win a championship. Dude, I'm impressed with that. and And you know they're going to be the favorite going into Mobile and i know that you know their rpi is not as strong as usual all that other garbage but i but i'm just here to tell you this team is going to be a dangerous team when regionals roll around because they're going to be a team that's better than what their rpi says
1: and i know a lot of fans will be disappointed because they'll probably not host a regional we may not have a louisiana team period with Tech and LSU and and UL and McNeese all in contention there. I don't think anyone's going to host. But I think that Midwest road trip before they had to go to App State, I think that proves that this team can travel. And if they need to go to, say, Texas or Mississippi or wherever they need to go for a regional, I think this team is built for that. And I think that late season road trip through the Midwest probably goes a long way towards that, Jay.
4: Yeah, I, I'm not going to argue with that. I think that there, there's some uh, there's some merit in that statement. They, um, you know, they wound up losing a game on the road trip, and that was the one at the game at App State. Yeah. But um, other than that, they did it, they did a very good job. And coaches will tell you about road trips that they like them because it's just them and the student athletes. There's no distraction. There's no moms and dads, or very few, uh, and it's it's them by themselves at the hotel, and and they're not in school that week. I think the coaching staff loves it when it's just them and the student-athletes, and they had a chance to do that. And, once again, I think they took a step forward during that trip.
1: Jay, appreciate you, Tom. As always, brother, enjoy your road trip. Over to Texas with the games at Rice and at Texas State, brother. And we'll talk to you next Monday, my friend.
4: I look forward to it. Thanks so much.
1: That's Jay Walker, longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns, breaking it all down. Look, this could go a long way for the Cajuns baseball team. Rice is not what they used to be, but they're going to push you. That's going to be a nice non-conference midweek contest. And then Texas State, top seed, regular season championship on the line as these two teams are going to battle it out in San Marcos this coming weekend we got to take a timeout more RP3 and company coming up right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station
0: RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language
1: you look at all the guys that they got: Clinton Anukoraru, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola, more like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Usawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced <laughs> last night. Me fail English?
0: That's impossible. Move up
1: Now back to
0: that that. silky smooth delivery of RP3 and company on On the the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Hey, next home cutting edge realty is holding their annual Luke Day on June the 11th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. The charity event benefits K9 Companions, which is a nonprofit organization that gives to those with disability dogs. The event, which will be located at Bowie Dog Park on Bluebird, Bluebird Drive in Lafayette, will take place there on June the 11th from 9 to 1. There's going to be a food truck. There's going to be some Kona Ice snow cone stand will be on site, plus music, uh, treats, prizes for you and for your pup. All proceeds will be donated to Canine Companions. That's Next Home Cutting Edge Realty's Luke Day held on June the 11th. We have a few minutes to spare here before we bring on James Landron the longtime softball coach at McNeese. State University, they earned the one seed for the Southland Conference Tournament. Let's talk a little NBA playoffs. Sources do say, by the way, that Denver Nuggets center Nikola Jokic will win his second straight Most Valuable Player Award. That's coming out via the four-letter network. As for the rest of the playoffs, it was an interesting weekend. It appeared that the two top seeds in both the East and the West We're going to cruise to semifinal victories. Miami had jumped out to a 2-0 lead on Philadelphia. James Harden had played awful. Joel Embiid had the orbital fracture and concussion. But credit the 76ers because they fought back. Embiid played a big role in that Game 3 victory. And then give it up to James Harden. I thought this was going to be a gentleman's sweep because you hadn't seen anything from James Harden since he'd been in a 76 ers uniform. He typically struggles in the postseason, and they didn't have Embiid. I thought Miami, the better coach team, would have won this in five, maybe six. But I thought it was going to be five. Philly now has tied it up two games apiece with a 116-108 to 108 victory last night. And Harden stepped up and credit him for that because he stepped up in a big way for his team, scoring 31 points, 6 of 10 from three-point range. He had one of those old-school, vintage James Harden nights. Embiid had a double-double with 24 and 11, and they got Tobias Harris in green and Maxi all to score in double digits as well, and they had a player come off the bench scoring double figures. They played a complete game. And now this series is tied two games apiece. Look, I'm here for it. I love being proven wrong here. The way this series began, I didn't think they had an option. I didn't think Harden would be able to step up. Now that Embiid's back earlier than some people thought he would be, the big fella's going to get you a double-double, but you're going to get Harden, get you 30 points, you're going to have a chance. You're going to have a chance here. Philly has the two best players in this series on their roster, in Embiid and Harden. Sorry, I love Jimmy Butler, but he's not as good as those two guys. That said, I still like Miami to win this series. But credit Philly for showing some guts and showing some grit here by evening the series over the weekend. Because they could have easily rolled over. And I'm stunned. Not going to lie to you. Stunned. the fact that James Harden played well he has looked lost during this playoffs he's looked lost in a 76ers uniform after those first what handful of games that him and MB played really well together and then he just kind of drifted off to being yeah kind of being a shell of himself and he looked that way early in the postseason he did not look that way last night stepped up in a big way for the 76ers that series is now tied two games apiece the other big stunner, the Mavericks have tied up this series with the Phoenix Suns. They win last night, 111-101. They won both of their games at home. And I don't want to hear the Chris Paul apologist complaining about him fouling out and getting some calls go against him. The calls that went against him in last night's game against Dallas – are the type of calls that he's long got away with. The officiating crew just wasn't having it last night. That played a huge role cuz Paul only had 5 points, only played 23 minutes fouled out. Not a factor. Give credit to Devin Booker. He tried to take over the game for Phoenix, scoring 35 points in the game. But he had shoot a lot, 10 of 22. That's a ton. Deandre Aiden and Crowder got 15 and uh, 14 and 15, but it wasn't enough. For Phoenix as Dallas down two games none I thought this was going to be a gentleman's sweep as well guess what not now Luca sets the tone as always 26 points but he was awful from three-point range one of 10 but they got other contributions Finney stepped up with 24 points eight of 13 shooting they got Brunson with 18 points and Dallas had three players come off the bench and score in double digits. You you notice the theme here. In both the 76ers versus the Heat and the Mavericks versus the Suns, in both cases, both teams had players. Multiple players contribute. It was a balanced, balanced effort. Makes all the difference in the world. NBA playoffs continue on tonight. Boston, Milwaukee... Bucks lead that series two games to one. Can the Celtics respond here and even up this series, make it two games apiece? And then the nightcap, Memphis at Golden State. Warriors lead that series two games to one. John Morant is not going to play in game four after being injured in game three. Uh, Questionable injury suffered at the hands of a Golden State player. This is getting really salty and chippy and kind of unnecessary. But no jaw tonight. Golden State should easily win this game. They probably are going to punch their ticket moving on here in a couple of games to the Western Conference Finals. we got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and company, James Landry, longtime softball coach for the McNeese Cowgirls, will join us. His team won their regular season championship, earned the top seed for the Southern Conference Tournament, which begins play later this week. We'll talk to him all about that coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 9th, 1984. The Chicago White Sox defeat the Milwaukee Brewers 7-6 in a 25-inning game that began the day before. It's tied for the second longest game in MLB history, second only to a 26-inning game in 1920 between the Brooklyn Robins and Boston Braves. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Don't go through another summer with that awful joint pain. Call QC Kinetics right now. Hey, it's Raymond Parch Third, better known as RP3. That pain in your back, your knees, your shoulder, it can now be treated with the latest in precision medicine using natural biologics, growth factors that can restore and repair damaged tissue. Really exciting stuff qc kinetics is the nation's leader in regenerative medicine giving you access right here to this modern day joint pain solution you can get lasting joint pain relief with no drugs no steroids no downtime and guess what no surgery you've heard emmett smith raving about qc kinetics you've read or seen other high profile people talking about it regenerative medicine at qc kinetics can help you get your life back take action right now get a free consultation Powerful, effective joint pain treatments with natural biologics are here. Call QC Kinetics right now. That's 337-243-4222. That's 337-243-4222. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Derby had its biggest upset since 1913. Is that what occurred Saturday at Churchill Downs? The biggest modern-day sports upset? We want to hear from you. We gave you some options. We had that. We have NC State beating Houston in the national championship game. We had Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. And we've had some write-in votes. Giants-Patriots-Super Bowl. We also had Villanova taking down Georgetown in the national title game. So keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now it's time for us to talk McNeese softball. Yet another strong end to a season for our next guest's team. They finished 15-3 and in Southland Conference, 35-19 and overall to earn their Conference Best 7th regular season championship and first since 2017. And now they'll get set for the Southland Conference tournament this week. It's our privilege to welcome to the program the man in charge, of the McNeese softball program. James Landrino joins us now. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm
3: doing great, Raymond. Thanks for having me.
1: All right. Let me ask you this. It was a rough start to the season. You had some ups and downs, and your team was, I think would fairly uh, be stated, was inconsistent for a, a good stretch of the season. When was the turning point for your young women over there that, where the McNeese colors?
3: Yeah, I, I tell you, that, that that's a really good question. You know, because there, there's a couple of times where we, you know, we felt like we felt all along it was a very talented team. Uh, we knew the struggle would be, you know, consistency, being that we're starting so many new faces new and new positions. And it uh, just really just day to day. But, you know, Early in the season, I guess you know, I think we got swept by Boise, and and the way we handled it, uh, I talked to a coach. I said it's weird, you know, after we lose three games, but the way we handled those defeats, uh, we showed some outstanding character. And I think that's when when things started. You know, we saw it was there. It's just a matter of time of getting the reps, and you're just going to have to go through some some growing pains. And uh, well, yeah, I, I would have it's hard to pinpoint a time, but I remember noticing how they handled that. You know, they were really, they were really hurt by it, they were surprised. And, um, but man, they, they came with great energy and they start, you know, played Baylor really well and then, then started to, to play a little bit more consistent. But it was definitely a slow process, it wasn't like a, a light bulb just clicked off. You know, we still have some moments here and there. So, you know, but the character was always there and the toughness was always there. It's just a matter of us having to work, you know, go through a process of getting better.
1: Did you believe at the start of the season that your team would be in this place right now, or did you think, hey, this is this is gonna be a year where we're gonna have to grind it out a little bit and, and we may fall short of our standard? Or did you always believe in your girls?
3: Uh one hundred percent believe we're right like where we're sitting right now. Um you know, the, the, like I said, the toughness in there and the, the belief of what our coaching staff has done. Uh, you know, my, my my assistant staff has been tremendous through this. Stayed poised, stayed true to the process. We know it's a long season. We've all been through this before, and uh, we never lost sight of what the end goal was. You know, we kind of talk about these things before the season happens. We know the life is going to come at you. We know the game's going to come at you. The season's going to strike you. You know, you're going to have some tough spots. Sometimes it's early, sometimes in the middle, and you just hope it's not late. Uh, but we know it, we know that these things are going to come, so when it comes, you can't really freak out. You plan for it. Uh, when these things happen, this is how we're going to handle it. And I think our staff did an excellent job of handling our players, keeping employees, keeping them believing in, in the end goal, and just trusting that it's going to be a process to be a really good team. And uh, so, no, we never lost sight uh, never had this belief that we would be where we're at right now.
1: Tell me a little bit about some of the the, the real leaders of this team this year in particular.
3: You know, it, it's a it's a plethora of people kind of contributing in different ways. But um, you know, right off the top of top of my head when I think about you know some kids that that have contributed on the field and, and kind of helped with the locker room a lot is Kendall Talley coming in and Jill Poulard. You know, they really kind of stepped up and um, they a good sounding board for me. That are good with the players, kind of keeping everybody focused and locked in. And, and then you have some, a, a couple seniors that have uh, done a good job of just setting an example of how to be a good teammate, uh, Tiffany Stetso being one of them, and Kaylee Lopez. You know, that they're kind of a different type of leader, but they make sure everybody knows where they're supposed to be, and uh, everybody's on point, and Jill, Jill and tally kind of really makes sure that the effort's always there um uh, so it, it, it's been a group effort uh to get us to this point and you know going back to when you're like hey did you ever feel uh, i don't want to get it twisted <laughs> when you're going through a tough part of the season Man, it's not easy it's not easy so it's not like we're all we're going to be fine we believe we're be fine but the work and the uh, intensity was always there in practice and games
1: we're talking with James Landrino. He's the longtime head coach of the McNeese softball program. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. I know you don't like to talk about yourself, Coach, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You achieved quite the milestone earlier this season, just a few weeks ago, when you reached a wins plateau. Uh, what did that mean to you? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's.
4: Um,
3: I think as a coach when those things happen, you start to kind of reflect on, man, I've been fortunate to have some really talented players come through this program and they surround myself with really good coaching staff. And um, I think that's what you kind of think about is, you know, all the people that contributed to it. And I think, and I talked to our team about it. So, you know, it's, just, it's a reflection of our program. It's a reflection of what the players do. I, I get the credit for it. But ultimately, you know, players go out there and win games. Uh, coaching staffs get them ready Uh, they they focus it on one part but uh you know sometimes you you forget how grateful you are and uh how much i've been blessed so you know it was a it was a time to reflect on on how many good players i've had here and the support that we've had by the community and and how lucky we are and how lucky i am to be in this situation so i feel very blessed to be at McNeese and be in uh, this program
1: How much different is your approach from the regular season to when your team now gets into the conference tournament? I mean, do you change anything at all, or, or do you have your own tradition that the girls know of when it comes to the conference tournament for you guys to be able to win the conference championship and punch your ticket to an NCAA regional?
3: Raymond, I think it's tricky because I think every year it's a little bit different, and I think that's where we kind of sit down with the staff and evaluate where our team is mentally and physically, you know, how tired are we? Are we fresh? Are we kind of up? Do we need a refresh button? Do we need to build on it? So, you know, with this team right here, I feel like we're, we're pretty well rested. I think we're, you know, the energy level's still there. I think our legs are underneath them. So it's kind of kind the same business as usual as we were with the conference, the finish-up conference. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, we have our routines that we stick to. I'm um we are big routine people, right? like we lifted this morning, like we lift on the same days, we practice the same style. Uh, just try to really stay in routine. We do talk about the moments and, and you know, there's way more energy and air for level, you know, when you get out there you can't deny that there's a little bit more on state you know. And I think we don't we don't shy from it. We talk about it, but we talk about how to handle those moments and get yourself back to a present moment while playing if the game starts to speed up on you. But really it's just this week is kind of preparing them for what it's going to feel like to be out there for the new players that haven't been in that situation and then that's it but, but everything else is pretty much business as usual the team meetings uh go about the same the scouting reports how we lift how we wake up how we eat breakfast all those things stay on, tra- on track
1: how different is it going into the conference tournament as the top overall seed compared to being one of the you know a 2 seed or 3 seed or a 4 seed does it change your mindset at all
3: uh, from the coaching aspect, no, uh, it, it really doesn't change our mindset. I, I think the biggest thing for our players is to realize that it's a new season, and that that's kind of how we treat it. Um, I think where you, where you could get the trap is you can kind of compare the tournament to how you've done in the regular season. And I think that's that's a big trap you could get yourself caught in, into. I think the biggest thing is you refresh it. Uh, you got to respect the game, and you have to re- respect your opponent. <laughs> and know everybody, you're going to face everybody. Everybody comes to this tournament and you start for them. So everybody's going to play a little bit more intensely, a little bit higher level games are going to be closer. Uh, So it's just kind of really preparing your team for that moment. Uh, I think how you're seated has no direct reflection on how you're going to finish up in the tournament. Uh, I think that's been proven over the years where number one seeds have fell short many times, uh, as as well as we've been fortunate enough to be a three seed uh, uh, two times and win the tournament. So, uh, just making sure that we're prepared for whoever we're going to face that day. We do all our, you know, make sure that we're prepped for it as best we possibly can as a staff and, and our players.
1: Coach, for those who've maybe not been able to, to have the privilege to see you guys play in person this year, what, what's the identity of this year's McNeese softball program?
3: You know, we, we, man, we like to play fast. You know, we're going to try to push the issue. We're going to put people in motion a lot. So the a team plays a lot of energy, a lot of excitement, um, and plays a fast-paced game. You know, anytime we have opportunity to, to steal bases or put hit and runs on, we're going to. Um, we've been a, a rollercoaster. At, at times, we've showed greatness on defense. At times, it's been a little sketchy, but we're real, you know, I, I think our infield is really athletic. Um, and the biggest thing is I have three. We have three pitchers that have been seeing a lot of innings this year. That I have confidence in going to any three of them to win games. So I think we're going to attack the strike zone aggressively. Um, and you see a team that's going to grind out at bats, man. That turn. They, they they fight. You know, so even when we're having bad days, that they've learned how to really compete at the plate. And that's been really the turnaround for us the back half of the season is seeing how they've matured on the offensive side. So Coach Shelly Landry's done an outstanding job of keeping our are offense poised, and you know, the beginning of the year was a big learning curve for us. Uh, but as of late, man, they've matured and they're grinding out of bats right now and finding ways to make things happen. So they're going to find a way to scratch a run somehow, some way. I think Alyssa Denham's done an outstanding job of developing our pitching staff because our pitching staff has gotten better as the season goes along.
1: Wrapping up our conversation with James Landry, no, long longtime skipper. Of the McNeese softball program, he joins us here on RP Three and Company. All right, you've had great amount of success at the helm, and obviously playing in three NCAA regionals during that time, and winning three conference tournament titles as well. What does your team need to do, Coach, to be able to not only defend your conference championship? Uh, tournament title, but also getting back to yet another NCAA regional.
3: Yeah, I think Raymond, that, that's a great question. You know, we talk about it. Um, a couple things stick out. Obviously, we, we need to pitch well. Uh, we, we need not. We need to eliminate free passes, and, and we need to play clean defense. If we could pitch well and, and play good defense, um, you know, it gives us a shot to win. And I think that's our biggest thing right now is if not giving away free at bats or free bases. So if we do those things well, I like the way our team is set up to compete in this tournament. Uh, We just got to take care of ourselves and play clean.
1: Coach, appreciate your time. As always, congratulations on the regular season championship and the number one overall seed for the conference tournament. But I know you and your team have loftier goals than just that. Best of luck this coming uh, week at the conference tournament, bud. Raymond,
3: I sure appreciate you having me. And uh, look forward to talking to you again. Go, folks.
1: That's James Langer now. My man's soft-spoken, doesn't get really riled up. And his team was inconsistent early on, but they found themselves, and they finished strong, and they're looking to get to yet another NCAA regional. Just think about it like this. We could, at the end of this weekend, this coming weekend, have LSU, UL, McNeese, and possibly Louisiana Tech all in it, all playing in NCAA regionals. Last year alone, at the Baton Rouge Regional, it was LSU, UL, and McNeese. There were three of the four teams at the regional, which was great. Whether or not someone will host, that seems a little iffy. But everyone has an opportunity to punch their ticket to the NCAA regional. So that would be awesome. We're going to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show. Update the poll question of the day and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <laughs> The game, 103.7 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 103.7thegame.com or 1041 thegamecom to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and guess what? Hotel accommodations that Saturday night. That's right. We're going to hook you up with a hotel room, four tickets to see... The Astros take on the Rangers Saturday, May the 21st. You also get a tour of the ballpark. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But time is running out to score this Astros Weekend Getaway. We'll wrap this bad boy up in just a few days. So go register in the clubhouse right now so you can have a chance to win our latest Astros Weekend Getaway. I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests for making... This Monday edition of RP3 and Company. Tremendous. What a great way to start off the week. Jeff Palermo from the Louisiana Radio Network and Tiger Rag Radio talking all things LSU. Jay Walker, the longtime voice of the Raging Cajuns talking all things Cajuns, baseball and softball. And James Landron, longtime softball coach of the McNeese Cowgirls, who once again earned the number one seed for the Southland Conference Tournament. We asked you, though, A great poll question of the day. Over the weekend, Rich Strike, 80-1 to long shot. First alternate horse into the Kentucky Derby field. Wins the Kentucky Derby. Biggest upset odds-wise at the Derby, Churchill Downs, since 1913. That's been a while. What is the biggest modern era sports upset? There's been plenty of them. And we asked you, winning the vote with 42% of the vote today. Rich Strike winning the Kentucky Derby. 32% of you say Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. 21% say Other. Others always others a always strong showing. And 5% say NC State Wolfpack beating the Houston Cougars in the NCAA championship game back in the day. Darren on Twitter says, I'd say Tyson, but I'll give you some underrated ones. Patriots beat Greatest Show on Turf. Mavericks beat LeBron in the Big Three. Pistons beating Shaq, Kobe. Also, don't forget about the mailman and Gary Payton was on that team as well. Yeah, those are some good ones. Those are some good ones. Shout out to Darren for that. Brad says, I changed my vote. Number 16, <clears throat> UMBC beating number one Virginia in the 2018 men's tournament. 16 seeds were 0-135 before that upset. That's a good one too. And even have Hannah Five names. Red Sox beating the Yankees in the ALCS. They were down three games to none. That was a great rally. I say, yeah, maybe. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five names. I'm Raymond Pars the Third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again tomorrow, six to nine. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to of one another. Kevin Foot and Footnotes is up next, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.